0: Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffinroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm gonna be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. My guests today are Lee and Debbie. Lee adopted a child from Russia and, like most of us, along the way, discovered that things were not going as planned. Lee found herself in complete chaos and reached out to Debbie. Debbie has her own story and is also the founder of Rad Connection. Debbie has worked with over 800 families over a span of 25 years. Providing different models of in home services. You heard that right, in home services. So let's jump in. Lee, Debbie, thanks for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us.
0: Lee and Debbie, you've worked together. So I want to jump right in and, and ask you, we're going to hear your stories and um, background, but I want to know what it was, what point were you at, Lee, where you needed somebody like Debbie? What was happening?
2: I was at the desperation point um, to the breaking point of where I had false allegations against me and spent the night in jail. Wow. And that was my breaking point. And um, it came after some abuse to my animals. And of course, no charges were pressed. There was really nothing that happened. But anyway, um, I came home threw myself on my bed in tears. And realized I really needed to do something. And to this day, me and Debbie really can't figure out how I found her number. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> and so I, I ended up calling her, and and you know it took her probably a few days to get back to me, which for me was an eternity. Right. Because I really needed her. You know. Yeah. And when she got a hold of me, she was at my house within a, within a few days.
0: Wow. Wow. I know what you mean about not finding, I called rad advocates and I don't remember how I found them either. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. I have no memory of it. I don't, I mean, obviously I must've been searching and you find the number somehow, but that piece of my memory, yeah, is gone. But when you find those people who can help you, wow.
2: I know. And, and I was really, I had no idea what I was, I was going to do and, and without her, my daughter probably would not be with me right now wow. and would not be healthy right
0: now. Either. Yeah. And so Debbie came to you and in, in, sorry, how soon?
2: <laughs> probably within, Oh, Debbie, I think what, four days, maybe four or five days. You were here.
1: Yes. I, 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 we, and that was just a, you know, kind of a lucky break because, you know, I wasn't so busy at the time and right. So it worked out perfectly. I think So I went all. from
2: complete desperation to like, no one knew what I was going through. Not the pediatrician, not the, uh, uh, the adoption advocate who comes to your house once a week to check on or once a year to check on you know, the child and everything, they didn't understand. No one understood. And everyone thought I was a witch, you know, and, and that, you know, felt sorry for her because of triangulation. And when you say
0: they thought you were, you felt, they thought you were a witch, like your attitude, like mean mom kind of thing.
2: Well, it it was partly due to her, you know, made people feel that way about me when in her illness you know and uh so everyone looked down on me and and i was like this is not why i adopted i adopted to love a child and didn't know what i was getting myself into
1: you were even having your family at that time like so often it happens your own family was kind of turning yes my own family was even
2: turning against me when debbie got here after those four days everyone was beginning light bulbs going off. And wow. It was like, it was a saving me. Of course it came down harder on Elena, but that's, you know, her illness was coming to light at that point. And it's really what needed to happen for her to heal.
0: Right. And how long was it? When did you adopt Elena?
2: You know, this is crazy. At 13 months, you would think that there wouldn't be any problems like this, but there's was huge problems even at 13 months.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how young, I mean, I think that's part of the problem too, is people or as people, we just think kids are just need that love Mm -hmm. and there's, you know, we can mold them. And isn't it amazing that even at 13 months that is there.
2: And her history was, she was in a Russian orphanage. She was neglected. She was you know, a little over 11 pounds at 13 months old. She had scabies. She uh, had pneumonia. She was, um, you know, abusing and yeah, she, was, she was very neglected. I couldn't get her to smile at me. She wow. was hoarding food. Little did I know that the warning sign of her being so independent at 13 months old right. was was a bad sign. I thought, right. wow, this is awesome, you know? But yeah. It wasn't. No,
0: no, that independence, it's, it can fool you, right? You just yeah. think this is a hearty, independent <laughs> kid, but boy, does it mask a lot. There's a lot going on behind that independence. So yes. your daughter was 18 months. Uh, you adopted Thir- 13 months. Oh, sorry, 13 months from Russia. Now, what was the adoption process like? Did you fly out there several times? Mm -hmm. Did it happen quickly? You got to see the orphanage.
2: Right. I went one time to meet her. And when I met her, I knew something was wrong. Really? I hate to say that, but I knew that um, she wouldn't smile at me. Yeah. She avoided eye contact. She really was. I even have a photo of her pushing me away.
0: Wow. And I
2: thought, Wow, well, you know what? I'm just gonna love her. She doesn't know what love is, Yeah.
0: Let's talk about that because that is so common. I hear that from so many parents saying, even during that first interaction, so many rad parents say the same thing. they knew something was wrong. but I think at that point, you're not even thinking reactive attachment disorder or disorder. It's I that, didn't even
2: know what it was. Yeah,
0: I'll just this kid is in an orphanage and they need love. take him home to a great family, caring, loving, and enriching environment. And you think it'll just go away.
2: Right. I was going to love it out of her, whatever it was. And and so then I went back the second time with my husband and that's when we brought her home Mm. and she was extremely ill and she began to eat constantly. So I knew there was some eating issues there. Like I couldn't get enough in her. Wow. She wasn't smiling. It took her weeks to ever get a smile out of her. Mm. And, uh, there was just never a bond. And I, as hard as I tried, there was, I would try to love her, um, try to give her a bottle. Of course, she had never had a bottle, but I was trying to make her a baby again. She had no interest at all. And, and sadly, you know, like she would go to everyone else, but me, mm. which feels like such a betrayal to a mother. You know? Oh,
0: it's so hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah. hard. I hear you thrown halfway across the world to get this child and save her. And she doesn't even, even want you, you know, it's, it's a terrible feeling for a mom.
2: Well, I'll tell you, this went on till she was about five in kindergarten.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, our cat ended up very, uh, kitten ended up, uh, beaten up completely broken tail uh, a month in the hospital. Okay. It was really bad. And, uh, I'll tell you, I popped her little butt, you know, (laughs) I said, Mm -hmm. I had never done it before. And I thought, if anything deserves it, this does, okay? Right, (laughs) right. I sat, popped her butt and sat her on the stairs. Well, she went to school the next day and she told the teacher things that weren't true. And the detective showed up at my house and they said, regardless if what happened is true or false, we have to detain you. And so they did. And then they released me the next day. But I thought to myself, I can never do that again. And that's when I said, we have to do something. And it was really me because at that point I felt like, uh, she'd already started to triangulate me and my husband. It, it's a miracle. Our marriage survived reactive attachment disorder
0: that in itself. Right. Right. And
2: Debbie is the one who brought, brought to light to my husband. And he was like, oh my God, he came to me and he apologized and said, uh, I didn't, know. I didn't realize
1: it's really hard for dads, you know, it really is.
0: It is really hard for the dads. And how did that feel when your husband apologized and you felt that acknowledgement?
2: I, I cried. It was just such a relief. Yeah. You don't, you don't expect this when you're adopting a child and you expect it to be like a happy occasion. And it was, it was uh, it wasn't happy now, right. you know, it's completely different now, but you know, it wasn't one of those things you look back on with fond memories.
0: Right. And not all adoptions are like that. Most adoptions are a lot of them are positive and healthy. Yes. But some like ours aren't. Yeah. So when you were detained by the police, how old was Elena at that time? Was she five or older? She was
2: about five, five, five and a half.
0: Yeah. She was in kindergarten. And do you have any other kids or did you have any at the time?
2: Yes. I have one biological son that's 11 months older than Elena.
0: Okay, so he was in the picture too.
2: Yes, yes, and believe me, he uh, he has gone through a lot. You know, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you under. Maybe you have a biological child, and you understand that. I don't. You probably hear it.
0: Yeah, I do hear it. I do hear it. I don't know if I'll ever know what normal is in <laughs> regards to parenting, but maybe better not um... to know. <laughs> Yeah, But I do hear that a lot from parents and having that comparison, I think is really helpful for a lot of, of parents because it's validating to know, well, you know, I, I parented this child and everything's working. We have a happy relationship. They follow directions. There's a bond. I think it's just as confusing at the same time, because then it's like, well, what the heck is happening? Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of validation for parents in that. I think it's It can be a positive because at least you get to see what relationship, healthy relationships look like and feel like with your child.
2: And then it, then it becomes a lot of sadness because you feel like you brought this on to them. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the biological child just wants out of it and there's nothing you can really do. And you feel obligated because you adopted this child and you're, you're in it for the long haul, but it, it takes a toll on everybody.
0: It really does take a toll on everybody. Yeah. During this time, you were, your husband and you, what was happening there? He was just not seeing it, not believing it.
2: These kids are very sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> and they, their minds work beyond mine could ever comprehend. Right. So uh, they're, they're experts at manipulation and things like that, you know, and, and of course, for good reason to survive.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, so. I'm sure one day it's going to serve her very well to know those skills. But um, yeah, so she did that a lot with us, a lot of, a lot of triangulation. And, and a little girl looks very believable, mm-hmm. you know. And so that put a lot of stress on our marriage, almost to the breaking point. I'll be honest, almost to the breaking point.
0: Yeah. What kind of things, can you give some examples of what that triangulation looked like?
2: Yeah, Debbie, can you remember any? There were so many. I kept a journal.
1: Well, I think I think
2: uh, to understand why the
1: mom is the primary target, and that, and, and you know, logically it doesn't make sense because if you have a child that's getting adopted, the, the birth you know, father and the birth mother didn't end up keeping the child, you know, so you'd think that the child would be just as angry at the father right. as it would be with the mother, but that doesn't hold true for for children because most of the nurturing, um, you know, a lot of the times that primary caretaker is the mom. Right. And, um, and I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me. Not that a dad can't be the primary caregiver. Exactly. You know? Yes. Uh, yeah. So I told, you know, I'm not trying to say that at all, but the anger the child feels is towards the mom because the first mom didn't keep them, you know, and so that's where, you know, all the triggers. And so the, the child's testing this new mom constantly and also afraid of being rejected again and abandoned again, and they don't have any you know, it's like if God came down and showed you a new color, you wouldn't know what that looks like. They have no idea what being close to somebody feels like. You know, so here's this mom trying to make this happen, and so they're like, "No, I'm taking care of myself all this time. I don't need to." To even if they don't have memory of what that may have felt like early on, their body remembers. You know, yeah. and so that's where you get so much problems. You know, where the uh, where your you know the birth mom is that target. Yeah, I, you see things like, well, because they don't have that angst, you know, with you know, the dad, they can kind of bond a little bit with the dad. And some of it is a little bit more genuine. It's just a little easier for for the child. There's not that feeling, uh, you know, of rejection that they're so afraid of. So dad's looking at the situation going, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. You just look mad all the time. Right. Well, <laughs> you know?
0: going back to something that you said about that is the word constant. And when you were talking about the behaviors, the tri- triangulation, whatever the negative behavior's are that word constant is so key because I don't know if people can really truly understand our listeners can you listeners can understand but that constant targeting happens 24 hours a day
2: and sometimes you can't put it in words it's almost like there's no words to it that's why I'm having a hard time coming up with everything she did because it was so the undertone yeah, like, it's so a very
1: cringe so saddle weird. to a mom. Your mom kind of has this cringing kind of feeling. And then you think to yourself, what is wrong with me? The whole, all of that, you you, you set out to adopt, to give a child a home, to give a child a chance, to have some, you know, more in your family mm-hmm. uh, and to save a child. And then all of a sudden, you're feeling these horrible feelings yeah. about this child. And then it just, it does that self loathing like, how can I feel this way? Yeah about a poor child that's broken.
0: Right. And I think that constant is what what you said, Lee, is it's, uh, it's often so subtle. And I think it happens so much that that's where we lose the words is it just becomes such a normal everyday and it blends all into your everyday happenings that level of constant is what breaks us down right. and then what you were saying Debbie that cringe not just kind of oh there were so many cringy moments
1: yeah Um mm-hmm.
0: yeah and I I remember that I don't know about you Lee but
2: oh yeah
0: <laughs> right and just that that feeling of yeah I hated the mom that I was and you do you go through so many emotions Ugh, that's right yeah but the but the
2: And also you feel like the child hates you, just despises you, Yeah, you know, and, and no matter what you do, you can't change that. Right.
1: Right. You know, they, they want power over you, you know, and they want to be controlling because they've had to control their world, you know, exactly. And so, you know, everything they do, even when they might even reach out to hug, which normally I hate to say it, but normally it's for an ulterior motive other than bonding on their terms. But, you know, it is the feeling is, um, that they're in that self-fulfilling prophecy. There's, they're so afraid you're going to reject them that they come at you at the worst time. I used to call it coffee yes. bagel time. I'd have a bagel in one hand and coffee in the other. And they would come <laughs> to try to hug me at that point. I'd be like, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and so that they, they would set it up to actually be kind of pushed away for that moment where they could say, Debbie, stay. Debbie yeah. you
2: have to tell them, What we always joke about is like my daughter, and Debbie gets this with some children she takes care of, is like right when you're in the intersection and you're waiting for the car before you make a turn, you know. Like right then is when they're like, "Mom, how
1: do you know?" Right. They're how so you know? honed in. They're so honed in, and they're so in tune because they've had to be. They're right. so hyper vigilant. So as soon as your, your mind is off of them and into something that could be, you know, a dangerous situation, or you know, yeah, yeah, you know, you they're they're right in that very moment. You know, oh, Miss Gabby, can I have? I'm like, what are you asking me that for? You know. You know it's just, and it's, it's just really tough. It really is. It's, it's tough. They're going to make you pay attention to them. Um, but it's normally not for good. And it's for negative attention. Yeah. 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 So sad.
0: It is so sad. And it's, I, you know, it's a difficult topic to talk about because there's so many layers and Lee, you were saying, you know, you feel like your child hates you. Did you ever, this is a tough topic. And I was just talking with one of my friend's and rad moms about it, about the stigma about not really feeling connected to your child either. It's one thing that they, you know, you feel like they hate you and they might hate you. Um, and, and that's a whole, you know, and where that hate comes from and blah, blah, blah. That's a yeah, whole there, other there picture. Was but, to,
2: there was no love there. There was nothing yeah. that I cared. I wouldn't have let anyone hurt her. Right. But as far as having feelings of like, she's my child, I love her it wasn't there, sadly. Yeah, And it's it's hard to say, but it's It's, the truth.
0: It's hard to say. And I think it's hard for people to hear. And, but I think it's important because, um, you know, I think we as, I know we as parents feel, uh, I don't know if it's shame or sadness or everything, or you've, you know, failed. It's not our
2: culture for sure to feel that way.
0: Right, right. But it's often described, you know, that if there isn't, uh, attachment goes both ways. Right. And so if someone's not attaching to you, then how can you be expected to attach to them? And like you say, you can care and love them and treat them like a, a guardian or a nurturing person, but you don't necessarily feel like that love that you would for oh. your kids.
1: Yeah, we think of it like like it's a recipe, you know. And which what I put in the bowl, (laughs) and what that child puts in the bowl, you know. That's we make our own love that way, you know. That's how we're bonding. That's you know. uh, I don't need two the same kind of kid, you know. I I like all the variety that you know my children give to me, you know. Right. But when you don't have anybody putting anything in the bowl, and they're screwing your things up. (laughs) you're really not gonna be too happy (laughs) that is a great analogy
0: i love that thanks for sharing that i love that 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 nails it that really describes it yeah yeah so debbie how how did you get into the work that you do i think i had it written down that you have children you're a stepmom
1: you have had an adopted child or rad i i have i have three biological children and um uh, and then i've adopted three rad children and then i have i have three stepchildren and so um yeah you know i'll never forget watching a documentary it was called uh, child of rage it was nancy right. thomas who had put that out and that yes. was i mean that was early on you know and mm-hmm. uh, i remember me and my oldest daughter were we were watching that and i at the time of course it wouldn't blow my mind now you know but at the time i was like what you know i just couldn't imagine a little girl not um, having any kind of caring, uh, you know, just, you know, just a, a total void, you know, yeah. of what she was really feeling, or uh, it, w- it was just really sad to watch. And um, later when I wanted to become a foster parent, because at the time, you know, I was told I couldn't have any more children. That's just when I had the one child. Um, so I thought, well, I'll do fostering, you know, and I'll just, you know, get this cute little kid and uh, save her life, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing that we all, <laughs> that we all say. You know, and lo and behold, I was not at—I uh, was in special needs, but didn't know it in the training. You know, and I was ready to walk out of the training when I heard. Were it you? This I was like, oh dear God, you know, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, like, what are they talking about here? You know, and before I walked out, the one lady said to me in the meeting, uh, in the training, she said, you know, they all have issues. And no matter if you go with regular foster care or special needs foster care, you're going to come across these problems. So I sat back down and and I listened and and I stayed with it.
0: I have a quick question for you before we go further with the story. How do you feel about that statement now?
1: What she told you that they all come with issues. They all come come with issues and you might as well, you know, understand those things now. I mean, you know, I, I think Certainly, the special needs kind of elevates. You know, you could say so you've got kids that have kind of gone out of the regular foster care system and mo- and moved into special needs. But, you know, it, it wasn't long before I realized it wasn't where I was supposed to be. You know, it ended up that um, I was at a social service meeting because I had a child that I just didn't understand. I mean, this is my first rad kid. And I was, the more I loved her, the more she pushed away. And so I was invited to a, a two day seminar. Um, where Nancy Thomas was. This was like about 20 years ago or more. And um they put that child of rage documentary in, you know, oh. again, right? And I mean, I had cold chills up my arms. I was like, I my goodness, is this what? is what? This, you know, what this is exactly um uh and and it was astounding because um, you know, things that I thought Nancy said you know, say, I remember telling my kids, I think they stay awake at night to think about what they could do to me the next day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. actually, you know, said that. So my social worker who knew nothing about reactive attachment disorder. And I, you know, it, it's very sad because a lot it's becoming more aware now. Yes. But back then it was not. And I looked at my social worker when Nancy was saying some things like, you see, I'm trying to tell you uh, what, what I'm going through here. So that was kind of my journey getting into it. And uh, you know, it took me a good year with a great therapist that we had uh, with some of the kids that I was getting through foster care. Uh, I had the first child in all of Northern Virginia that was kind of undergoing more of the holding therapy, you know, at right. the time, you know without actually being adopted. Mm. And um, so it just, I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew this is what I, what I need to be doing. Well, and you had three kids with reactive attachment disorder yourself. And that was after. After that point is when I adopted three kids. After that, wow. Uh, but it did take me a good year to learn the different parenting strategies. For sure. You know? yeah. Because you think this traditional, the more that I love them, it's going to work. It's not going to work. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the motive for, a, a yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Traditional parenting does not work.
1: <laughs> that does not work. <laughs> no matter um, how hard you try, right? Yeah. You can talk yourself to <laughs> death, and it's not going to work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so Lee was in a crisis. So Lee, going back to you and your story. So your daughter's five, she's harming your cat. Uh, I hear you on what that feels like to see yeah. and experience. And I think a lot of our listeners will relate right. to that, sadly. And De-
2: Debbie came and... uh well, as soon as she came, I actually met her in the driveway. I couldn't wait for her to get to the front oh, door. <laughs> I,
1: I bet you did.
2: <laughs> I bet you like, did. She was opening up her trunk everywhere so on. Well, she was pulling out her suitcase. I said, "And this, and this, and this, and this." And she goes, "And she goes, I'm coming in." I said, oh, "I know, uh, but is it normal?" She goes, "No, it sounds like reactive attachment disorder." I said, "Oh," and she goes, "And it's perfectly normal to feel the way you do." And I felt such relief and. She came in and made me feel like everything was not my fault.
0: Yeah. Because
2: up until that point, I felt like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Everybody's pointing at me. Maybe they're right. Maybe it's me. And it really wasn't me. It was what was done to my daughter as a child, as a baby, that just you know kept growing inside of her and you know manifested into this. Yeah. Uh, You know, I had to parent my two children completely different. Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to do that. You can't when they say, oh, you have to treat your kids the same. No, not if you have a child like this.
0: You were talking about your relationships, your other relationships, your you and your husband at, that, at this point. So, Debbie, I'm assuming you came when Elena was five.
1: She was like five or six. Okay. Right okay and, and lee's family is very close so she had the grandparents over and the, all both grandparents are looking at lee like there's you know her, her the, own mother the her aunts, sister, yeah. you know, the aunts yeah. were all thinking she was the problem you know yeah. and so we had to have some really serious um some really serious talks you know with the family
2: and it was my housekeeper my, our employees you know everybody debbie sat down with them all in separate meetings and um and made them see that, you know, Lee really isn't the what you think she is. <laughs> yeah.
0: How were they reacting to you as a mom? Describe but that a little bit. There was a lot
2: of talking behind my back. Yeah, there was a lot of gossip behind my back. Oh, you know, you know, she just needs to be a little more loving. You know, or you know, I would try to love Elena, but she'd push me away, you know, of course, and they would they would see that, and Elena would say, Well, you know, she treats me like this or that she doesn't really love me and, and of course she's five she's super cute you know like I said but yeah so they they all talked amongst themselves of course I could hear it or it got back to me it was very heartbreaking. they even came in to talk to me yeah. Um, even, the guy, even the guy who drove me to your
1: house okay yeah. who picked me up at the airport okay yeah because they have a lot of workers at lee's house you know we're doing a lot of different things and and they're very family oriented so you know lots of families over their workers feel like family too and uh, behind her back they were coming to tell me things that they thought you know lee was you know just too hard on elena that she didn't really love elena enough uh she was you know, certainly feeling deeper feelings for her biological child than she was, Elena. I mean, you know, so they were all wanting to let me know (laughs) that that Lee was the problem.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Sounds like your family was also very receptive when they heard from someone who works with these kids.
2: I believe it was only because Debbie is so professional Mm. because I don't think they would have been open to it. They were poo-pooing it, you know, at first, but when she got here and she could speak so professionally and, and, and exactly what was happening. And then they were like, oh, this makes complete sense. I actually see that.
0: Right. Yeah. I think having a professional come in and speak to it and somebody that isn't you.
2: Yes, yes,
1: exactly. Somebody that can advocate. And I I thank you for the professionalism, but I'll be honest. I don't think it was that. I think it was seriously because I had to live through it. (laughs) So I can speak into it in a way. It's like, listen, let me tell you, you know.
0: Well, and just hearing it from somebody else who's gone through something that people think, you know, here's your family or friends and thinking that you're just, it's just bad parenting. You're not a great parent. And there's no, I mean, look around in our lives, how many other rad parents would I know or did I know at the time I was going through it? Zero. So there's no other frame of reference for them to know that this is something. And then you go to therapists who don't know either or aren't.
2: We tried that too. specialized in
0: it. And so I can see how it would be very hard. So even just having a second person saying, hey, professional or not, this is what's going on in our family. This is what it is. I can see that that would help help give them insight and and have some believability to it.
2: Well, you know, it wasn't very long, very quickly, actually. She actually had Elena telling them she was doing it.
1: Right. That was that was key to be able to get Elena to tell. Yes, I kind of said that she was lying. I wanted to make my mom look bad. You know, we were able to get Elena there after we were bonding, after she was bonding and after we were building a bit of a conscience, not that she wouldn't at certain points in time, you know, not have self-control and do some of the same things at times. Sure. But we yeah. were getting to, I mean, you, they have to admit it. I have a five step program, which is, you know, with children with rad. When you're mad at yourself, you've done something wrong. You know, you gotta, you gotta admit that and, and own what you did. You got to apologize for me. I'm a God believer. So we go to step three of asking God to forgive us. And number four, you know, is forgiving ourselves. And number five is coming up with a new plan. I mean, what are you going to do different next time? So um, kind of implementing all of that and and helping the family understand that how they could support Lee. And for them to, as they were supporting Lee, they were seeing changes in the child, you know, they were understanding because if they weren't supporting her, uh, Lee, uh, and of course it's helping the child along the way too, that child just becomes more powerful and sicker and that's not what we want. And so, you know, in talking to family, letting them understand, listen, what you're doing is making this child sicker, you know, and, and creating you, you don't want to be the cause of that right you know? Well, so. and
0: I just picture this and maybe this is just my mind is just blown. A, I can't imagine somebody showing up in my driveway. I would be running out that driveway, <laughs> like one of those videos with music in the background, running to your long lost love or something. So <laughs> that's, that's how good I, I imagine it must have felt. It was. To have somebody, hey, show up and be there in your home and to do this with you is huge. And then I also imagine a big collective aha moment for your family uh, to realize, oh wow, this is what Lee is saying and it isn't normal and this is something. And then again, how that impacted you, them getting it.
2: Yes. Yeah, What a
0: huge, like, boot, relief in so many ways during that whole time. Relief to find Debbie, have her show up at your home. Relief to have her communicate this in a way that your family understood. And
2: I, I need to add something, if you don't mind. You know, my Aunt Edna was there, who uh, was Elena's biggest advocate, worried about her, who ended up, you know, Believing Debbie, believing and really supporting, they all ended up supporting. But she, to her credit, after she passed away, she left a huge amount of money to the research for reactive attachment disorder.
1: Wow.
2: Yes, wow. because she was that. such a believer. So in it. She she
1: yeah. was a school teacher, wasn't she?
2: Yeah, she was.
1: She, she got it as soon as she she could connect the dots. Yeah, you know? she got that, it. That really got it.
0: So talk about so yours is also a success story. So after this point that Debbie comes, she's in your home and she helps you, your family, Elena, what, what happens after that? What is life like?
2: So I'm not going to say that it was an easy, it was an easy fix. Elena was pretty troubled. Yeah. It took, it took a while. Okay. She was five and a half, six, whenever Debbie uh, was helping. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that we had her probably under good control and not needing debbie on a you know weekly basis of calling her probably get age seven and a half eight
1: yeah i think it was about eight because we worked together she she would stay at my house for a while and then yeah. she would go back you know to lee we would back just go back and forth you know and uh you know because what we want to do is help elena you know, create new neural pathways, you know, we want to, and to, as mom is doing the same kind of work I'm doing, then, you know, we're exercising that brain of hers, you know, to create those neural pathways. And sometimes, you know, it, it's hard. Debbie
2: made, Debbie made her very hungry for my love. Yeah. You know, and I remember going to the first time really holding Elena and feeling like it was real was very emotional you know there was you know you felt the fake hugs you
0: know yeah yeah you do it, it
2: was it was a hug with like a smile that could just melt my heart I remember it sitting on her couch I remember sitting oh. on Debbie's couch and I thought oh my gosh this is really going to work and and I thought okay this is my child and this is it's starting to feel real and from that moment on I knew there was really no turning back and so um
0: what a moment. it got better and better What a moment.
2: What a moment.
0: Because I I was going to ask what that was like for you. You're at your wits end, literally broken, and someone shows up to help you. How hard was it for you to find the energy and the will or the drive to have the energy to therapeutically parent your child? I've been at that place where I'm just so broken that I think Nancy Thomas describes it as hugging a porcupine. Well, you, you get so broken and you have your own resentments and issues. Was it hard for you to, I mean, I know it's probably helpful having somebody, Debbie, alongside of you. A lot of us don't have that person in our home with us doing that. So was that hard for you or did you just embrace it?
2: No, there, there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of resentment that I myself had to get over. Um, and I would, I would let Debbie know about those things. And Elena would certainly address those. And there's some, there's something in a genuine apology, you know, right. and like an, at least an acknowledgement that, and, and the fact that she didn't want it to happen anymore either, mm-hmm. you know, especially the things that she had done toward her brother. Those were the things that hurt a mom's heart most, yeah. you know, more than me going to jail. That's, that's laughable now compared to some of the things that have happened to like her brother or You know, things like that. But,
1: you know, I think the whole strategy, you know, I have the the child come stay with me for a time. And I am kind of like that step in mom. Yeah. I am, you know, I don't, I I can hone into control right away. A lot of kids will say, Hey, Miss Debbie, is your worst dream or your best nightmare, you know? Right. right. (laughs) You know, but, but the reality is, is that when I can get that child to kind of practice with me, take some love in, you know, and and get an appetite for some love. And then we're able to kind of take that to mom, you know, I might hold the child first and then I'm putting the child in mom's lap and, and, and you're, you're getting that genuine kind of thing. I I know for me with my children that were rad, when that happened, I could, that gave me the fuel when I could Ah. see that kid. And that was the kid I wanted you know, oh yeah. That's it. That's the one, you know, where Absolutely. there's like radar beams going from your eyes to theirs and something's touching their heart and 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 they're touching your heart. And at first, you know, I'm not gonna make it sound like it's oh so fantastic because you're gonna pay for that connection with yeah. that child first, you know. Yeah. So if you make that connection and the child feels good, they get scared and they're gonna blow it up. And so it, it becomes like, well, gosh, was that real? But when something really touches your heart like that, your heart doesn't forget.
0: Yeah, I think that's the point that every parent wants to get to too, because yeah. absolutely that would give you the fuel. That's where we're trying to get. And Debbie, just I pictured it being like you're you being like training wheels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know And the reason I picture that is the way you were describing because our kids with reactive attachment disorder, It's that piece of attachment that they react to. And so it's often coming from someone who is very nurturing is supposed to be your mom, that very close, close relationship. So here you are kind of an intermediary saying, I'm not that person, but I can show you what love feels like and how to love. And then we can upgrade and take the training wheels off and and pass you off to real mom."
2: That's yeah. a good analogy and, we'll, and get on that big bike and, and get and on the big bike. You know I mean? <laughs> That's
0: right. Yeah. Yes. It's so yeah. True. But it's sorry, so Lee, true. you were going to say something.
2: Uh, I'm, I was going to say how jealous I was to see my daughter love Debbie.
0: Oh yeah. I, I was
2: extremely jealous. And Debbie yeah. you know, made it clear that she would love me more one day. And it's actually very true. Yeah. Yes.
0: Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that because yes. yeah. Yeah.
2: Her first love was Debbie.
0: Yeah. And it's hard even whether it's real love or not. I mean, our, our kids with reactive attachment disorder purposely sometimes love yeah. on, I'm not going to say love, but love <laughs> on other people to try and create that jealousy or
1: resentment.
0: And you have to be strong and you really have to trust this person you're working with. Right. Yes. Well, and,
1: and, and what's so good about it is well, just so you know, I mean, I am actually putting myself, that child has to she had, you know, he or she is coming to me and through me for everything. Right. So I'm faced, you know, I'm facing their control problems. It's not like they're just coming in and having a great time with Miss Debbie. They're not. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, 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 know I can sniff out control.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> my parents are like,
1: but they're going to act different when you come. Right. I'm like, no, they're not, or not. <laughs> because I'm going to push every button to make sure that con- that's my job yeah. is to make sure that control exists. And then I can, you know, either push it away or give consequence or, but then you got to come in with the nurturing too. It goes hand in hand, you know? So when they're loving, they really are loving for the first time, you know? And that would say, I would have to tell you that that's probably the best thing about my job. Mm-hmm. to have a child that loves for the, for the first time, yeah. and then getting that to transfer that all over to mom.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and, and, uh, you know, they're scared her, but then, you know, I'm trying to be there to support, you know, the blow ups and the, you know, and then getting back on track. And I mean, there's so much involved in it, as you would know, you know, it's so complex, but that's where, uh, that's where the difference is. I mean, yeah. they're not loving me and you know what, with a fake love or they're not loving me because they're going to try to make their mom jealous. Right. Most kids after we get to that point are going, I would, you know, they feel guilty. There's yeah. a guilt feeling. Then they're loving me and most of them will say, I wish I was doing this with my mom.
0: No. And I hear you. It's not fake love. I think in our other relationships when they're in that point, but you get to get them past that into to the point and Yeah. And as rad parents, we can spot control too, but we don't have the tools necessary necessarily, or the energy or the brain power, nothing you're done to, to correct it and, and make that happen. So that's amazing.
1: I always love it when I got it, when I got a mom that can do the nurturing. Even though she's mad, you know, you know, not always are you going to put a child in your lap. People will say, well, you know, I'm so mad. I don't want to put them in my lap. And I mean, right. I understand that, yeah. but you can still be mad and put a kid in your lap. Yeah. You know, you can be yeah. say, Hey, you know, and it can still, you know, where they're looking up at you, you're the dominant, you know, figure you're, you know, over them. You can say, you know, I feel, I feel angry right now. You know, we're going to work past this, but, uh, but I'm angry. I don't want to feel this way about you. So you can't lie. It's not like, well, let's go and we'll, we'll be, you know, I'm going to give out a bunch of nurture that I don't even feel you have to put, be who you are because your transparency, this child's trying to get in tune with you. Right. So it's not like, let me just put you in my lap and, and, you know, we'll sing, you know, nursery rhymes and have a great old time. And you have to start where you are and you have to start where the child is. You really do.
0: And so Lee, where, so Elena is how old today?
2: She's 17 today and 17. doing awesome.
0: And your son is 18 and a bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So how is Elena doing? How are you doing as a family? How's your son doing? Give us an update.
2: Everything. They are buddies. My children are buddies. They go you know, out every night together and hang out together, have the same friends.
0: Did you ever imagine that looking back? Could you imagine
2: that? Never, no. ever could I have imagined it. I really yeah. thought that would be a severed relationship, mm. you know. And there was a lot of anger, you know, when they were younger. Yeah, and they've, they're they're way past it. They're way past. They don't even look back.
0: Amazing. So they hang out their best buds.
2: Best buds. They and love each other. When did that
0: happen? When did that connection happen? Just age-wise, like.
2: Yeah, Elena. After she went through all the therapy with Debbie, Elena got a connection. She knew she knew how to love then. Wow. Charlie had to get rid of some resentment. That takes a little while. And you know? did he
0: get therapy too?
2: Yes, he did. Yeah. And so I would say at about age 13, 14, it really started getting really good. And wow. now it's excellent.
0: Wow. It's excellent. And at the seven year old age seven, is that once you had those moments of real love, real hugs, mm-hmm. like you described? I'm guessing it just grew from there and that's where it your grew, relationship really it began. grew
2: from there. And I'm not going to say that things never happened again, because that's why I still talk to I mean, like we had a lot of talks on the phone, you know, wow. and I would put Elena on the phone with her and I, and I would,
0: what is she doing today?
2: She, uh, she graduated actually one year early from high school wow. and she has already finished with her esthetician school and has her license. And now is going through real estate school.
0: Oh my god! And she's
2: only seventeen.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what was school like for her in before this in in her RAD days? Was it harder?
2: Um, I as soon as she reported me to the Christian private school, I took her out and homeschooled her and got a private teacher. Okay. Um, private teachers did not work out, and that's no. I homeschooled her myself.
0: Why did the private teachers not work out?
2: mostly because they didn't, they didn't see the issues, uh. you know, they didn't understand. And she, and it, it only gave her an opportunity to be sick, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to practice that. And Debbie right. made that clear. If you, if you can do it yourself, do it yourself because yeah. then 24 seven, she's with me and I can keep her.
0: Yeah. You know. If you can handle it and you've got support. Um, so did the teachers leave or did you ask them?
2: um the one one teacher the one teacher left because she was pregnant the first one the second one I asked to leave and the third one I asked to leave and I was like that's it I just have to do it myself
0: yeah yeah gotcha
2: gotcha I don't really I don't understand how people um, actually send their kids to public school because I would think that would be even harder I don't know I didn't have that I didn't have that you know but I didn't have a good experience with school
1: yeah and most people don't have a very good, ex- you know, experience with no, school. No, they don't. You know?
0: No. And what are you doing for yourself
1: these days?
2: Oh, yeah. That's you know, I'm I'm becoming it's an empty nest now practically, and uh, trying to figure out what I am going to do with myself. Yeah. I can't wait for grandkids one day. I, I imagine imagine that kind of thing.
0: Lee, you had a hard story, and I'm glad that you found the help that you
2: need. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's been great to have you here. Thanks so much.
2: All right. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.